0: G'day, g'day, welcome back to the Create and Thrive Podcast. My name's Jess, and this is episode 263. And today I have an interview for you with my dear friend, Amanda Adams of Dreamforge Dice, Amanda's actually been on the show before quite some time ago now on episode 130. See, she's been an avid sewer for 10 years, more than that, and she actually has built up quite a big following on Instagram, and she has a really uh, popular blog about sewing called Bimble and Pimble. And of course, we've been friends for a couple of decades, so we've often talked about this this whole thing of should you take your craft and turn it into a business or should you just keep it a hobby and in that episode we talked about why she deliberately keeps her sewing a hobby and not a business even though you know she has got this online presence and could potentially monetize it if she wanted to however things have changed for her in that she's found a new craft and she has decided with this new craft to actually monetize it so she's decided to start selling some of her creations so in today's interview we are chatting with you know basically we're t- we're chatting about three weeks before she launched her shop and she's actually in the midst of taking my course setup shop at the time I think she's about one week into it when we recorded this and uh, so she talks about her experience with that a little bit but also just all of the fears and issues and things that have come up for her throughout this process you know trying to decide whether to monetize and what made her decide to do that the difficulties around finding the time you know she has a really demanding full-time job as well as other hobbies and responsibilities and also you know all of the, the things about actually starting a shop the overwhelm of trying to learn everything and um, so we get into a lot of that in this interview now i just want to apologize upfront. I actually recorded this with her over Zoom and we recorded video as well because it's actually gone up on my YouTube channel as well as going on my podcast. However, I had some tech issues at the time and I was actually recording this on my laptop rather than my normal computer. So all of my sound settings weren't correct. Uh, So that means that the sound quality in this episode is not up to my normal standards. So I do apologize for that. Uh, however, I felt that this was a really valuable interview, even though the sound quality is a bit subpar. So that's why I'm deciding to publish it anyway. I really, I think it's really valuable to talk to somebody just before they kind of make that change from having a hobby to making a business. And in fact, I had an idea when I did record this with Amanda that if you guys found it valuable, I would get her back. the show and actually give us an update on you know how her launch went and why it went the way it did how her business is going uh, into the future so if you do enjoy this and you would like to hear an update please do let me know you can just send me a message on Instagram at create and thrive to let me know or shoot me an email and of course if you decide to go watch over on YouTube Uh, You can just leave a comment over under the YouTube video. And if you'd like to do that, that's youtube.com forward slash Jess Van Den. And you will see us and you'll see, you know, we actually can show her products and stuff, which is kind of cool. So uh, that's why I wanted to do a video version of this as well. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. Oh, actually, there is further ado (laughs) because I am actually away uh, next week. So I'm on my regular digital sabbatical, my yearly digital sabbatical, and uh, there will be no podcast, but there will be a couple of videos popping up over on YouTube. So uh, if you are a subscriber over there, you'll see those. And then I'll be back the week after with new stuff for you. And we're going to be talking about social media over the next few weeks, including a video coming up in a few weeks and also a podcast episode whereby I answer the question, can you have a successful handmade business without using social media to market your business? I'm looking forward to sharing that one with you. I think it'll be interesting. Okay, so let's dive in to this episode with Amanda. Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name's Jess Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010, and since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers just like you Create and grow successful handmade businesses. So are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. Hi all, I'm here with my friend Amanda today and we're going to be chatting about getting started with a handmade business. Welcome, Maria.
1: Hello, how are you, Jess?
0: I am very, very well. So let's give a bit of background on this situation. First of all, I've known you for 20-something years, I think. Mm, a ways. I think <laughs> it's probably the best way to put it. Um, you know, a little time. Okay. It's high school, whatever. Um, and now the reason I'm in, I wanted to invite Amanda on is because she has been a crafter for a very long time but only for herself. And she has an Instagram at Bimble and Pimble. She's all about being a sewersaurus, sewing a lot of her own clothing. Did you make what you're wearing now, my
1: dear? Uh, I did. I did. I've got a cute wide leg pant and cropped floral top ensemble. Just
0: Excellent. <laughs> and we actually did a podcast together a couple of years ago now where you talked about how you wanted to keep your hobby a hobby. And so we talked about that idea of you know not turning your hobby into a business because you wanted to keep it as something you love. Uh, let I'll let you talk about why you made that decision. Mm-hmm. Oh, now Ooh. yes, now
1: very <laughs> exciting. Um, so I have been sewing. It's coming up on my ten-year sewing anniversary.
0: Wow, um,
1: I know time. It, it's um I started just after I got married. So Viva la wedding dress sewing. Oh, it's your
0: 10th anniversary. You should probably know that. <laughs>
1: Um, So I I sewed off and on uh, over the years and picked it back up after my wedding when I helped a friend of mine sew my dress and discovered that sewing was this really amazing way for me to keep um, my brain busy and my hands busy while I wasn't at work and it became this really wonderful community and uh, Mm -hmm. I also just enjoyed having something to do that wasn't work-related because I can get a little bit work-obsessive. And over the years, it has become really inevitable that people are like, oh, I love that dress. It looks so fabulous. Why don't you sell? And there was some integral part of me that a, I'm a bit of a rebel. I don't like doing what I'm being told. Uh, but B, also, I have watched you be a business entrepreneur for many years. Uh, it's a big, hard slog. I work a full-time job. I love sewing and I didn't want to turn it into a job. Yeah. I um, had done a couple of collaborations with a fabric store before and I found those really stressful sewing to a deadline just removes the fun for me and
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm also a hardcore perfectionist and no, I really would have <laughs> thought um if I send something out into the world I want it to be perfect and my standards are ridiculously high so I just knew it would create stress so sewing I love you you're just for me and making mm-hmm. myself look fab um not for others except
0: yeah. me occasionally when you'll show me something amazing and I'm like you get really... one every
1: five years <laughs> like that's it and like, my favorite
0: piece of clothing I own is something you made for me so there you go
1: is it the gown ga- uh, down the road it's the robe. yeah I, it hurt to give that away
0: <laughs> it well, I appreciate it every day I wear it every day so there you go <laughs> So we've talked about this a lot over the years and, you know, you have your Instagram and your blog, which are, you know, quite popular and, but, you know, you're like, yep, cool. It's a hobby. However, things have changed potentially in the last six months to a year because you picked up a new hobby, which has kind of taken over your life and you have decided to maybe think about selling. So let's talk about that.
1: Sure. Um, so I am a great big nerd, and I say that with love as a nerd. um, I have been playing Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder and tabletop RPGs since I was a teenager. And one thing I've always been really pedantic about is I like beautiful dice. Um, mm. And I also have a very clear aesthetic about the kind of dice I like. Um. Yes, I'm picky about pretty much everything in my life so uh when I really got back into RPGs maybe five six years ago I started hunting and creating like lovely die sets and I discovered last year uh oh no 2020 just made everything go weird yeah <laughs> in 2019 there was amazing world of handmade dice and I was having a little bit of a, an ebb with my sewing practice and I wanted to start something new as a beginner again So I got really excited and I went down this rabbit hole towards the end of 2019, (laughs) learning how to make resin dice. Um, And it was, I have to be honest, it was actually really freeing. My sewing is not a job. It is a hobby. It's something I love doing. But I also had created this weird kind of pressure in my own head Mm -hmm. about the things I was sewing and making sure that, you know, I got great photos so I could put it on my Instagram. And it created this artificial pressure that actually didn't need to exist. Mm -hmm. Whereas dice making, it was like back to, how do you make a silicone mould? Let me YouTube, let me Google. And it was just so freeing and so fun to just, my first set of dice were a hideous hot mess of seven different colours. And it was like the best thing I had done in such a long time they're monstrous I love them um and it was just freeing so there's something just straight away from the approach I came in um, that was very different and then you know 2020 happened and I for some reason I was just feeling a little bit burnt out with sewing even more and the things that were bringing me joy last year weren't Um, Mm And so I kind of just fell a bit more into dice making and then kind of somehow I ended up with 50 sets of dice and was like, "Ooh, I literally cannot use all of these. Um, but I still want to keep making them. So I'm like, what do I do with them? So I started giving some away, but now I'm at a point where it's like maybe I could potentially recoup a little bit of cost so I can mm-hmm. buy more materials and make more, although that's not very sustainable. I'm conundruming now.
0: Well, it's sustainable if you charge more. See, this is this is the problem okay. that so many
1: environment.
0: Oh, oh, I see. <laughs> That's not <sort> of sustainable. <laughs> well, this look,
1: I like your sustainable.
0: We gotta have we gotta have dice for our PGs. So, you know, you can't you can't be perfect all the time. If we were perfect when it came to sustainability, we'd never drive or do any of those things. So, um, I was just thinking. I wonder if I have my dice. Ooh, I'm going to pull my headphones off. My dice here somewhere. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to show you some of the dice I have. So this cute little thing here. These are the amazing ones you made me for one of my characters because I'm also a giant nerd and I play in a couple of D&D games. Uh, my husband is a, a DM for a couple of games, so I play in a couple as well. And this set, which these cute little pouches are into, by the way, amazing. Oh, can we tell everybody what your actual dice Instagram is? Oh sure.
1: Uh, my dice Instagram is DreamForgedDice, and there is a full stop or a period between Dream f- and Forged.
0: Well, I'll put it on the screen and in the description as well. Oh. So these are the other sets.
1: Oh, these are these are fun
0: that you made for me.
1: Yeah, these are
0: glorious. I can't see myself, so I'm hoping these look good on camera.
1: They look wonderful, beautiful.
0: Yeah. Um, so I am the happy recipient of some of your amazing dice. Thank you very much. Uh, let's have a look at some other ones. I know you have tons there.
1: Oh, oh, oh! I Come on, some out of the tub. Oh. Yeah,
0: well, just show us, show oh. us. <laughs> I'd like to show me your stack, but I know oh, that okay. your ca- your computer is currently on some of. <laughs> uh,
1: my computer is currently sitting on a box. Oh, and then my pink ones too. Um, my. <clears throat> sitting on 24 sets of dice uh, but these are a set that I cast uh, last week so they are a They're beautiful pretty. swirly smoky uh, gray clouds that's with cool fine glitter and think yeah. those in a beautiful mint so I often mix my own paints
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, these ones are I cast at the same time because I thought let's have a little bit of a fun gray but then let's also have a little bit like of a, a gothic hero gray mm-hmm. So these are a dark, smoky Mm -hmm. gray with a dark black ink and a gold foil. Very nice. And let me see. Oh, I will also give you, do you like licorice all sorts?
0: Um, No, but I know a lot of people do. I think they're disgusting. I I like Um, your dice better than I like licorice all sorts.
1: Exactly. I'm sorry. Not a licorice fan. Actually, I'm sorry. Not sorry. Licorice (laughs) is gross. I also don't like Uzo controversial and i'm now
0: see i'm a weirdo in that i like normal licorice but i don't like licorice flavored liqueurs or drinks or licorice all sorts like just give me normal basic licorice and i'm fine
1: i'm actually heartbroken i'm finding this out about you over two decades later and mm, we'll, we'll have to discuss this offline
0: what about red licorice how do you feel about red licorice it's all evil even though if it's not it's actually aniseed,
1: i i want to actually i don't even oh. want to love aniseed i'm trying to be inclusive aniseed no does not work for me
0: aniseed's gross generally speaking totally agree okay moving on moving swiftly on as we say so you started making the dice and you now have made a lot of the dice and at what point did you kind of make that decision that you might think about selling them
1: weird it's weird because i'm always around you i love you best but you are the queen of like hmm, mayhaps you might want to think about selling these little things <laughs> um and these are what you know we have had many discussions over the mm. years about you know uh, handmade creative entrepreneurism and all of that and i think it was when i got to 40 sets that i was like Do you have a problem because my my issue was I didn't have them all sorted. I just mm-hmm. had a very large Tupperware container that I could no longer put the lid on. And so I pulled them all out and I'm like, oh, I must have like 15 sets. And then there were 40 and I was like, oh, but at that point, I'd already started giving some away Yeah. my gaming friends. I made some for your birthday. Then I made some for your Christmas. Congratulations. <laughs> it was the year of the dice. Um, And I'd actually, I I seriously, well, not seriously, but I shared some in my last BP Sovember, which is a um, sewing photo challenge and Instagram stories challenge I do each year. Um, As we're talking about, you know, what other hobbies do you have? And one of the things I shared were my dyes. And I actually had a whole bunch of people messaging me who were um, sewers who also gained. And were really keen. They're like, "Oh, these aren't like any other dice I've seen. Do you sell them?" And I'm like, "No." And they're like, "Oh, if you ever do, give us a heads up." And I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, okay, maybe." And um, I kind of that kind of got the brain meats going. And then I'm still trying to come to terms with the idea. Mm-hmm. I'm like, is my stuff good enough to sell? Because some of it is not. Some of it is. So that's kind of the genesis of where though that thought of sales kind of came from.
0: So let's talk a little bit more about the sort of things that might be stopping you or holding you back, like some of the fears and things like that that kind of have come up. So you mentioned, you know, things not being good enough to sell, uh, not perfect enough to sell. I think that's a pretty common fear that people have, especially because as a crafter, when you make something, you like the, the mistakes are glaringly obvious to you. <laughs> Whereas, like, I remember going, like, visiting markets or, or shops with you and whenever there's clothes you'll like pull them up you'll like, look in the inside you look at the seams you're like oh no that's not mm. and I'm just like I just put it on and it looks nice
1: <laughs> can I just say my briggs definitely has the J at the end for judgmental just throwing that out there
0: Yeah, but it's a great example of how your customers probably will never notice the things that you notice because they're just like, oh, that's so pretty and shiny. It's awesome. Um, And I know you had an experience where you bought dice of somebody else and you were like, this is terrible. Yes,
1: yes. (laughs) And that's something I actually was thinking about yesterday because I took my dice um, to my gaming group and I was rolling them and they were great and people were talking about them and like, uh, you know, Uh, People across the table had grabbed them and were looking at them and all I was like is don't look at that sanding job. There's my pottery wheel wasn't 100% on that one. And, And then I'm like, whoa, hold up, because also in your dice bag is a set of dice you paid a lot of money for, a lot of money. And the sanding job is so poor that for my friends, my fellow nerds, you will understand this that on the 20-sided die face, instead of being flat, there is one where two of the die are ascended. It's curved. I actually Mm. cannot use these beautiful dies. And I'm like, hold on, you paid a bucket of money for that. This person has a massive wait list. Um, And I'm sure that if people can sell something at that quality, then your micro scratches are not an idea. But also, (laughs) Jess, we know. I'm a perfectionist Mm -hmm. so it's kind of reconciling you know what is good enough what is you know what standard
0: yeah I mean getting getting opinions from other people is a good way to sort of break through that like your your gaming group people and like the photos on your Instagram I mean I certainly can't see any flaws in those dice you know because they're beautiful photos so that's another fear I think you know people have is that making that leap and then well can I really ask money for this thing that i'm making like how can i actually ask another person to give me money for this thing that i'm making but you can you absolutely can and there's not you know you're never going to know unless you try um and i think another thing that's important to realize is that one day you will have an unhappy customer
1: oh for sure
0: right? Like some, something, and it might be your fault. Like maybe there is a flaw in something and you didn't notice it, or maybe it's their fault. Like the customer, you know, we say the customer's always right. I think a better way of putting it is we always have to treat our customers with respect. Mm. Um, that's really, really important, but that doesn't mean you give in to them if they are wrong, like if they are in the wrong and they've made a mistake. So it's finding that balance and being aware of that. And I think just Having that knowledge that, you know, sure, maybe one day one person out of 300 will have a problem with something or a 1,000, whatever it might be, and that's okay, but the vast majority. Like our brains are such problem-solving machines that when there's an issue or a problem or somebody's unhappy, we freak out and that's all we can think about, and then we completely ignore the hundreds or thousands of people who've bought stuff from us and have been perfectly happy. So it's, you know, that that's a difficulty as well. Are there any other sort of fears or, or sort of thoughts that have worried you about starting a business? Do you want to get more sales on Etsy? Etsy is a huge part of my business and the vast majority of my sales come from Etsy search. That means I have to optimize my Etsy SEO or search engine optimization in order to be found. And if you want to be found, you need to do the same. If you'd like some tricks and tips to help you optimise your search engine optimization on Etsy, head on over to createandthrive.com forward slash Etsy SEO and you can download my Etsy SEO cheat sheet which will teach you all of the tips you need to implement in order to make sure that you're getting your best possible ranking on Etsy search. That's createandthrive.com forward slash Etsy SEO to download that free cheat sheet right now.
1: Definitely my standards. I think also um, just the – I I have had the wonderful opportunity of watching um, so many people in the Thrivers circle, you know, um, set up their shops and create their business – which has been awesome, but also in my head I'm like, oh, I've learned from this, and I need to have that set up. And I have once again, it's that perfectionism of kind of mm-hmm. the scope of the setup process yeah. is is ginormous. Yeah. It's not, but it can be when my brain is um, a happy little squirrel and it jumps from thing to thing to thing to thing, and it's just trying to get that kind of everything. I want everything to be just right, and it's. Yeah. I know that for me, if left to my own devices, I've been hemming and whoring and tinkering with these dice now for 16 months and you just got to do the thing at some point. Mm. Um, So, you know, just actually having the the guts to go, okay, enough, just get going. Mm. Um, And that in itself is kind of scary because I know logically... If I, if I set up an Etsy store, an Etsy store feels pretty low risk mm. and nothing sells, well, what's the worst thing that happens? And the worst thing is I've lost a bunch of time, which for yeah. me, who my love language is time, you know, that's my precious thing. That's, that's a big sacrifice. But in the end, if nothing sells, nothing sells. I, yeah. That's okay.
0: Yeah, and it's always the, you know, I see people talk about this idea, you know, I'm scared of devoting my time to something, I'm scared of putting the effort in and then it won't work. I'm like... Yeah, but if you don't start it or don't do it, your chance of failure is one hundred percent. Like, and how will it just sit in the back of your head and go? Maybe I could have done this. Maybe I could have done this. And then one day you'll realize, wow, I've wasted five years where I could have potentially been doing this thing. And then it, you know, I've been, I've been too scared to to commit the time or give it a try. And like you said, like there's no for you. You know, you have a really good job. You don't have to worry so much about, at this stage, the financial aspect of things. So it's the time and that's the thing, you know, you've either got to spend money or time to grow a business. If you have a lot of money, just throw money at it and advertise and, you know, probably get sales. Yeah, exactly.
1: We should put in like a gif of like people rolling around in notes right now.
0: We can be Scrooge McDuck diving into his money.
1: That just does not make sense with physics.
0: I digress. It really doesn't. Coins are really hard and it would kill you. Anyway. We're showing our age there. Um, so I think that's a really important thing to, you know, if, if it's something you feel like you really, really want to do, give it a crack. Like if you fail, you fail and you've tried. And I think that's the most important thing.
1: Yeah. And it's, um, you know, I had these thoughts. It's like if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to set mm-hmm. up a website. And in the end, I'm just going to grab 10 sets and put them on it. See, 10 feels manageable. Originally, mm-hmm. it's like I'll do 20. too much stress just going to calm it down and then we'll just do a little test and if it works it works and if it doesn't you know what i'm going to scrooge mcduck into my pile of dice except for the d4s which are pointy but like in the end um i I want to give it a go i'm working through setup shop um if people have not taken setup shop it's great if you have a gently anxious mind like i do and need a plan um and that's been really helpful so I'm just kind of working through that at the moment and just ticking things off and we'll see if it works great and if it doesn't, Scrooge McDuck.
0: That's right. Um, Yeah, so for those who don't know, Setup Shop is my 30-day intensive course that kind of takes you through step-by-step. It's basically a system to help you set up an online shop and like amanda said you know if you're like it's all too overwhelming i don't know where to start or what to do next the idea behind it is to save you that issue and again i'll put a link in the description box um if you're listening to the podcast it's createandthrive.com forward slash setup shop you can find out more about it i'm not quite sure when this is going to be going out but the next time i run the course will be september october 2021 so at the moment as we record this it's what is it march 2021 yeah so we're currently working through with a cohort of people through Setup shop at the moment. Um, okay, so let's uh, talk about what are some of the, when you kind of have been learning about, and I know you and I have been talking about this for years and, you know, you you, you see me t- teaching stuff all the time, but um, what are some of the things that you were unsure about when it came to selling online?
1: Uh, first one, first big, there are many, but my first big one is um, what platform to use. Right um and uh, it's interesting just looking at the dice making world lots of people are setting up their own um squarespace or wix websites and some people use etsy and mm-hmm. for me it was going what's what can i reasonably invest time in at this point and also finances like yeah. i already have a blog i already pay for hosting and that so it's like oh i could set up I'm just going to keep it simple. Just keep it simple. Um, so uh, having uh, that really clear has been super helpful. Um, another big thing is actually around branding mm-hmm. and what your, I really love the activity right at the start, which is about, you know, what are the kind of core words, the core messages behind your brand and looking at what you're producing and how those things sync up. Yes. I found that really, really helpful. Um, it's kind of helped me streamline in mm-hmm. what, you know, what objects I'm sharing and using the data. I use Instagram mainly and actually mm-hmm. looking at the data from that to see what people are engaging with. Yeah. And that's helping me refine my products actually a little bit as well.
0: That's a really good point, like, using, like, because you've obviously been on Instagram with Dream Forged for a couple of months now. I'm not sure exactly how long. Um and you participated in the Thriver Circle Instagram challenge we had where I got, every you know, encouraged everybody to post once a day for 30 days to see, you know, what that impact that would have. Um, and so a platform like that, like Instagram or Facebook or whatever, if you can build a bit of an audience there and start getting feedback from people um, is really helpful. Even if you haven't opened your shop yet, just getting feedback on your products and your development and all those sorts of things. I mean, at the end of the day, the most important or the most truthful uh, feedback will be what sells and what doesn't sell but it's a good you know if you're kind of a bit worried that oh my product is you know is anybody interested in this stuff like start putting it out there even if it's just your private facebook profile like your friends and family who actually now you know they'll probably be nice um, but at least you can start putting stuff out there and ask questions like, hey, do you like this design better or that design better or this colour or what do you like best about this and trying to get that feedback. I just want to show everybody your little um, hopefully still focus.
1: Oh, pull it back a tiny bit. No, it's just not wanting
0: to focus. Doesn't, doesn't want to focus today.
1: Hold on, come in. Let's try it again. There's just so much. That's Oh, there we go. We got it.
0: So the little um, cloud. Oh, yes. So that's you I mean you decided that from the beginning that's brand, that's your thing like that's pretty good branding right from the beginning there
1: Yeah and um I actually love that set of dice that you've shared because that is a perfect example for me about actually looking at analytics and I made those dice. I was really excited. I tried like five different techniques all at once and they're quite complex. So they have all different resins. They've got gold flake. They've got holographic foil, petri effects. There is there is a lot going on. And I truly, I, I love that you've taken them, Jess. At the time, I was like, oh, they're too much. They're party dice. Um, they're a little bit of a hot mess. And mm,
0: they're like- they're like sparkle unicorn dice or something. That they are. You know?
1: And what, what <laughs> love I love <mean>, them is <laughs> I took a few photos of them before I sent them off to Jess and I made um, had a little overlap between sewing and dice making. So I've actually been making like little drawstring bags. Yes. So I, I prototyped, I made a little one for Jess um, and I packaged it all up, sent it off. And then when I really started kickstarting my Instagram, I was like, oh, that's a cute photo I've got. And I shared it of the D20 and or 20-sided dice and i was like well that's not going to get much engagement because well you know it was an ex and i think i tagged it like you know experimental tried all these techniques Mm. and until recently that was one of my most engaged with shared saved (laughs) messaged about dice and i'm like are you sure because this feels like a little bit of a hot mess
0: maybe that's what people want they want something extra
1: Exactly. Because I can't
0: find it anywhere else.
1: And so I started making, um, just kind of playing around recently with using some of those overlapping techniques, using different colours. And I shared one dice earlier this week that's kind of a blue version of that. Mm-hmm. And it's gone bananas. <laughs> like it has, I have had all these different people messaging me going, I want this, how much, how do I get a set? And I'm like, Okay. Um, so I, I started experimenting because they're quite fun to make for me. Yeah. And I, nobody wants something quite as extra as I like things. Apparently some people do.
0: Um, yeah. I mean, this is cool. This is like you're doing that market research and you're going, okay, there's a gap in the marketplace nobody else is making obviously you know making these really over the top amazing colorful fun dies, and that could be the thing that sets your business apart and you know finding that niche i call it a micro niche so it's like a niche within a niche like you you make handmade dice that's a niche but within that like you could be the lady who everybody goes to for like the completely extra over the top amazing sparkle dice um <laughs> And that could work really well. And the fact you've already having people messaging, I mean, that's a really good sign that you're onto something. Uh, now, we've talked about a few things. What are some of the other sort of aspects of things that you still are kind of working on or, you know, have been a challenge to figure out?
1: Um, some of these are going to sound very familiar because I have seen them pop up in the circle. I would say 11 billion times. <laughs> um, so there's probably two other big ones. Uh, one is... Pricing.
0: Mm-hmm. I was waiting for that. We knew
1: was <laughs> knew it was going to so happen? Come back to that because I feel like that's just a lot to unpack. Yeah. Um, and the other one that I'm having um, some concerns with, for somebody who talks as much as I do, evidenced by this little recording, um, is actually writing meaningful product descriptions. Mm-hmm. It's. I'm. I'm very insecure about the way I write because I write the way I talk and mm-hmm. I know that's not always the best fit. So just that's actually been really challenging to get items down on paper and write something meaningful that's going mm-hmm. to get engagement.
0: So do you I mean the way you write your Instagram descriptions at the moment do you feel like they're you know genuine to how you would you would talk? Um, or are you look li- like you're going a little bit more?
1: I've pulled it back a little mm-hmm. from how I am on my sewing account is very like
0: me. <laughs>
1: yep. Um, My Dice one is kind of me dialed back a little. Because, okay. Yeah. I'm just kind of finding my feet there and it's quite new. Um, yeah. So also it's quite interesting. The engagement between the two accounts is quite different. So, mm-hmm. With sewing, it's very much face forward um, and there's a lot of, you know, you're wearing things that you've designed or you've worked on. So there's you, Mm -hmm. there's like fit, very much fit issues and talk. And it's like, look at my butt. Can you help me, you know, solve these problems with this fit? (laughs) Um, whereas I found dice mixing things just a little bit, it, it's a little bit different way of engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, so the focus is very much on the, the product, whether it's a work in progress or a finished object or a new technique. So, mm-hmm. but the thing is, there's no face there. So yeah. it's it just feels a little bit different. The engagement I'm so used to having my face front and center.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: it's just finding my feet in a different space.
0: Yeah. I think that's really interesting and a really good point because I think one thing people struggle with is that, you know, when you're writing product descriptions or whatever, they feel almost feel like you have to be super formal. Um, and look in some, you know, it depends on your ideal customer. Like who is your customer going to be? And you want to write in a way that will appeal to them. And I mean, if you are going for the kind of sparkle dice extra sort of direction then I think your natural voice will actually work really really well with that because it's really bubbly it's really bright it's really fun a little bit quirky but a bit of humor in there so you know I think that will actually work well so I'm encouraging you to go with it (laughs) and just be yourself with that because again you know, that's one of the things that sets you apart in the song world, I think, is you know, you just embraced being yourself and people resonate with that, like the right people. They like, you know, find you hilarious and they love your stuff because of that. So I think, you know, going into business, don't feel like, you know, you you or anybody listening or watching, don't feel like you have to become sort of like, you know, white collar professional, you know, automaton. That's the beauty of MA business. You can be yourself. <laughs> And you can just roll with it and actually, you know, again, keeping your ideal customer in mind, you have to do that. But, you know, I think the sort of people who will be interested in your stuff, I think that would resonate with them really well. So, yeah. Okay, let's talk about pricing. (laughs) Everybody's favorite thing.
1: Oh, this is the point I wish I had like some kind of cocktail to be like. Mm, let's talk about we it. We should
0: have had cocktails. Why did we not do that? It's Sunday morning. We could have mimosas.
1: I, oh, love a mimosa. Bailed opportunity. Yep. Um, so pricing is I, I I like to think that most people who are kicking off for the first time are probably feeling the feels. I am feeling. That's mm-hmm. a lot of feels in there. But let's go with it. Um, in the sense that. It can be, I you know, I follow lots of dice making accounts. I have purchased some lovely dice. Um, I find the market has really boomed in the last mm. six months, which because is everyone's awesome. stuck at home. Yeah, yeah, and that is it's like, oh, tell us about yourself. It's like I started dice making because of lockdown. I'm like, of course you did. Why would you not? Like, and my heart is for people who were in places with much stricter, you know, um, experiences of what's been happening with COVID so there's all these amazing people out there that are creating beautiful things and the prices there's quite a a, a difference between Mm -hmm. the price points and it's kind of trying to sort out where i sit on that price range and I have kind of, I do have two types of quality because I have my earlier works on my earlier mould, <clears throat> which are still playable and usable. And I was thinking about maybe I could call them like my training wheel sets. <laughs> so it's a more affordable price point. Yeah, I, yeah.
0: I'm I think really that's a good idea. Yeah.
1: So I'm like, oh, this is good. But they're like my training wheel sets. So they're a nice mm-hmm. entry point. But I've got some that are, are the finish I'm really happy with. I think mm. good looking dies, and it's like, I don't want to price them too high so nobody buys them. I don't want to price them too low so that I kick myself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, so with pricing, there's the two parts of the calculation there's the covering your costs and then there's the rest of it. So, you know, how long would it take you on average to make a full set of dice from beginning to end?
1: That's actually something I'm currently trying to work out. As I've done them more and I'm playing around with different techniques, um, the time is decreasing dramatically. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, and I do the whole kit and caboodle. So I make my own moulds from my own masters. So there's actually, I'm trying to work out, you know, how much time does it take to create those moulds and how does that divide up? What's the longevity of my moulds across
0: Mm
1: -hmm. the, the amount of dice I will pull from them? Um, so, there's actually that part I need to work out. Then there is the casting itself, which surprisingly is the bit that takes the least amount of time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then there is the sanding and mm-hmm. polishing, which takes, I would say, forever. <laughs> um, and then there's the inking. So, it's kind of, I'm struggling with that at the moment. Mm-hmm. I'm, and I think I'm doing my regular Amanda thing where I'm overthinking things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that's. The tricky bit at the moment,
0: yeah, and I mean, one way of doing that, you know, there's the do one set at a time and time it all. The other way I suggest people do that is batch time. So if you're doing a batch of stuff, you know, you can, okay, how long did it take me to do this part of the process, and then how much, and then divide it by how many sets of something you made or how many lots of something you made. Um, and then sort of get a guesstimate from there. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, it can be a bit tricky to work out. But it's, still, it's well worth doing the time, uh, doing the work to figure out the time because then you actually have an idea. Like, say it takes you two hours to make a set of dice. If you want to pay yourself, like, a minimum wage, that's $25 an hour in Australia. Uh, that's $50, you know. That's just base price. for That's without covering materials. That's without covering all the other work that goes into it. So, you know, it starts getting like, oh, how much can I actually sell this for? Is, you know, is the time cost benefit analysis thing, does it work out?
1: Yeah. And I have seen something very interesting, which is a number of people will actually sell raw sets of dice. So they will sell little polishing packs mm-hmm. with um, the sets for the polishing papers and instructions on how to finish and eat mm-hmm. them. So, all of a sudden the cost per unit is
0: significantly
1: mm. down but people can still get beautiful pieces of resin artwork mm. that they can choose at a more accessible entry point that they can choose to finish so that's also something i'm like
0: hmm. it's a cool idea it's like you know making kits for like so many there's so many um people out there now doing some sort of kit Thing, which I think is really clever because it gives people the opportunity to make something themselves. But like you said, you've just kind of done the really hard part of, of actually making the dice and then they just do the finishing. So that's, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, is there any other big things that stand out sort of at this point in time? So, you're you're working through setup shop here. I think you're about, what are we? we like uh I think day seven. A week, a week, a week through yep. the 30 days. Um, are we going to see a shop at the end of it? Are we committing to opening this shop?
1: Okay, so here's the thing. Here's <laughs> the thing. I'm, I do not want to create extra pressure for myself because mm-hmm. I'm all, I know with my day job, I, work, I, I love my day job, but it takes up a lot of my time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to add extra pressure. My goal, and I even put it on my little Instagram thing, is I have put Etsy shop March. So, hold on, 30 days has September. 31st of March, 1159 59 pm, is still an Etsy shop. Um, but it, in all seriousness, um, I am aiming. That's why I've kind of pulled my, you know, if I put 10 things up, mm-hmm. I think that's a solid launch. That's
0: yeah, it's a, a good start.
1: start yeah. For um, sure. It's not like I'm running out of things, you know. <laughs> if that goes well, I've got another like five launches I can do. Just keep, just keep stocking. Um,
0: Well, this is another thing. Let's talk about this quickly because Mm -hmm. dice are very much kind of hard to replicate, I guess, unless you're doing simple designs and yours are not. Um, so how we like how are you navigating that idea? Are you trying are you planning on going down the launch model of I'll release sets when I've made them and therefore I'm gonna price a little bit higher because they're unique one of a kind? Is that the way you're you're aiming at this point? Uh
1: my I'm tossing up between that at the moment because it's often, um, you know, I'm just still in the experimenting and play. I haven't quite found my micro niche yet. Like yeah. I think I'm think starting to move towards it, but there's, I'm still doing a lot of playing to see what, what I'm enjoying making and what's mm-hmm. going to sell. And I think where I'm a little bit, different is like I never have a goal for this to be anything more than a gentle side hustle so I'm not yep. thinking world domination so I, I still want to have fun with it like this, yeah. this isn't a chore for me so I, I need to find that sweet spot of mm. something I'm still enjoying and something that will sell um, mm-hmm. but what I'm kind of thinking of is a little bit of a hybrid model where if people are loving my very intense extra style that those I'm actually trying to replicate some of Mm -hmm. those at the moment and would make that a standard thing where I'd have you know a few different colorways of those that Mm -hmm. I'd release every now and then but then also some other stuff that I just play with yeah Um, but that but still kind of keeping it thematic yeah yeah I, I want things that will pop I there's some beautiful dice makers who do lots of gothic dramatic <laughs> they are stunning and I would love those pieces but they're just not me
0: yeah
1: um, so I, I still want to be able to play in that space and experiment mm. but have some almost replicable ones where yeah you know, be like the ones that I've made for you
0: do I need to send more photos <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm currently in the process of uh I've got a set of dice I should be pulling out this afternoon to see if they worked. Oh, cool. Knock them off. Um,
0: and and knowing uh, you, you keep notes anyway of what you've put in things. <laughs> you have a notebook that has, like, all of the recipes.
1: <laughs> Are you surprised? You Sorry. know I love notes and stationery. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm, I'm hoping to have a small set of replicable um, mm-hmm. Of lines as well as the freedom to play around with things. Mm -hmm. But in saying that, I also have like 60
0: sets sitting here. So, you know,
1: I've got a little to work through. I've got some, (laughs) got a little bit of a lead time there. Awesome.
0: Well, you know, I'm going to hold you to, you know, 31st of March when I'm going to put a link to your shop in the YouTube description. Uh, (laughs) I I promise I won't publish this till you actually (laughs) launch your shop. She
1: says that folks. <laughs> this is me keeping an eye on
0: her. And I'll put it on screen as well. So people oh, can go can check I that out. Gesture? Like sure. a magic thing? Yeah. There you go. Beautiful. we will pop right up there. <laughs> so people can go see and see what you've done. And who knows by the time you know this comes out, maybe you've sold out of all those first 10 sets and we have to put more up there. Um, but I think it would be interesting, you know, the plan behind this, you know, the reason we're doing this is because I wanted to follow someone's journey. So I knew Amanda was kind of on this journey and I wanted to sort of check in with her just before she really launched and started. And the idea is that in like six months or so, we might check back in and sort of see, do a, here's how it's regressed. Here's the things I've learned, what's been happening. So if you enjoyed this video and um, this podcast, if you're listening to it, please let us know. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, put a comment below, let us know, um, you know, that you enjoyed it and you, you'd like to sort of see what she's been up to in, uh, you know, six months or so time and where her business has gotten to. Uh, I'm actually really excited to see how you go and see what happens. Like, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm watching all the students in Setup Shop at the moment as well, but obviously I have a, a vested interest <laughs> in seeing you do well.
1: Well, I thank you because there's not a better wing to be under than a Jess wing. (laughs) Um, But then also, I've just been around you too long because I'm like, you're making these cute little dice pouches and you love sewing and people love dice bags, but you've got a particular style of fabric you want. And I've got a design I want to try and I'm like, maybe I want to do little dice bag accessories too. I've been around you too long. I am thinking bigger thoughts.
0: I totally think you should, of course. You know, you're not gonna support this idea because I know these don't take you long to make with your experience.
1: Well, look, I've already made for my shop opening, there's mm-hmm. like a little bonus dice pouch.
0: Oh, see, there. this is nice. Buy one of the first sets and you get a free dice bag
1: mm-hmm. with it. And they're like I, I just I think they look very cute. They I'm don't. very pedantic about my so the fabric I've got's like quite a, it's a Japanese design. It's like very
0: I do um, like these little mice
1: aren't they cute. cute oh a bit of rifle paper company oh not rifle sorry cotton and steel and this is right? the other
0: one i think this is one of your prototypes
1: yeah that was made in a liberty the fabric is lush. it is far too soft it is lovely
0: it um, is nice.
1: it, it's lovely <laughs> it's for wearing it's not for dice bags um i
0: got sorry. an off card obviously no oh um, i feel special
1: yeah okay <laughs> i can't afford to be making dice bags out of liberty and new. However, I did order some really cute DD themed fabric from Spoonflower okay. that I'm making some prototype dice bags for. That's from a good idea. Because I'm, as we know, very picky about my fabrics. Um and also design. And I'm like, what's something that's like very DD, but also quite modern mm-hmm. and contemporary? And I found this amazing fabric. So it's on its way to me right now.
0: And that's exciting. I look forward to seeing that.
1: Yeah. See, look at you, you're corrupting me. I'm thinking big.
0: I'm opening you up to new opportunities. <laughs> Thank you so much for being, being willing to come on and talk about this with me today and share your story. I think a lot of people will really resonate with everything you've said and the fears and sort of the, the concerns and the, the things that are on your mind when it comes to this stage. I love chatting with you about this because it takes me back to when I went through all of this myself uh, a long time ago. <laughs> I'm just like like 13 years ago now or something like that. Uh, and it's yeah, it's an exciting time. It's a stressful, exciting. It's like I, you know, I always think of that um, clip of Owen Wilson from Is It Armageddon, where he's like strapped into the um, strapped into the rocket they're about to go up and you know, blow up the asteroid or whatever it is. He's like, I don't know whether I'm like ninety nine percent excited and one percent scared or ninety nine percent scared and one percent excited <laughs> something like
1: that psychologist always says to me when like when you're feeling anxious you actually just need to tell yourself you're excited because your body reacts the same way
0: yeah it's so the same thing it's just how you I'm completely
1: excited
0: <laughs> you're gonna do awesome it's gonna be good
1: and you know the worst thing that happens scrooge mcduck those dice. Like, that's right I'm here for it well thank you for letting me come chat you know uh, uh, and just share my fears
0: They're very common. We're all in this together. We've all gone through the same things. (laughs) Thanks, Amanda. Thanks, Jess. Bye. Thanks to Amanda for coming on the show. And remember, if you would like an update, make sure to hit me up and let me know. If I get enough people interested, I will uh, harass her until she decides to come back on the show again. (laughs) Uh, And uh, also, if you are interested in my course setup shop it will be running again later this year you can find out more by going over to createandthrive.com forward slash setup shop all as one word setup shop and you can find out what the course is all about and get on the mailing list to be notified when the course launches if you'd like to get access to that it is a 30-day intensive course that will take you step by step through everything you need to know in order to set up a successful online shop for your handmade business no matter what platform you use amanda used etsy a lot of people do but it doesn't matter you can use squarespace you use shopify you could use woocommerce whatever platform you want this course will work for that platform. So it's not a tech course. It is about all the other stuff that you need to know and need to do in order to set up a successful online shop. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please do uh, leave a rating and/or review over on Apple Podcasts or over on my Facebook page. You can leave one there as well. I really love hearing from listeners and I really appreciate the feedback knowing that this show is helping people. Thanks again and I'll be back again soon. Bye for now.